Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest. Good morning, message. church. How you guys doing? You guys doing well? Did you say hi to some people? Get to meet someone new? No? <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, I'm uh, really excited to be here with you and to open up the word and to read the scriptures. Um, if you, I know you were just, uh, you just took a seat, but if you would turn with me to the book of Matthew, so go ahead and turn there with me. If you, ha- if you don't have a Bible, here's your chance and opportunity. We have free Bibles for you, so just raise your hand. We have some ushers that'll bring you a Bible. Anybody need a Bible? Just raise your hand and, and it's yours for free. But if you have a Bible or your app, turn with me to the book of Matthew. So we're in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the very first book of the New Testament. I'm going to be in chapter 4. And we're going to start at verse 1. Would you stand with me as we read the word? I'm going to read all the way to verse 11. So it says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Here we go. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread because you're hungry. Jesus answered, it is written. Here's the truth. Here's the word. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is written, here's the truth, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this, the devil said, you can have, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I recognize, Father, that when we, whenever we open up your word, your kingdom is here. That God, not only do we get to stand and read and listen and learn, but Father, there is a really supernatural thing taking place whenever we open up your word. And so right now, Father, I pray that our hearts would be open. I pray that your spirit would speak. I pray, God, that whatever is spoken, God, it would not be my words, but it would be yours. We give you this time. We give you this space. We ask, Jesus, that our ears would be open and our hearts would be alive for what you want to do in and through our lives. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Awesome. So I want to talk with you um, over the next couple of weeks. We did this last year, and I kind of want to do 2.0 of this. If you were with us uh, last October, one, you're amazing that you've been with us that long. And, and two, um, October, I think it only is fitting within our cultural moment to talk about these conversations. Um, but what I want to do, and honestly, what I really feel prompted to do as we pray and seek and see what God is trying to speak to us in our community specifically, um, I wanted to go on part two of last year we did a 
we're like at war with evil. We talked about that and we kind of hit on different points. But this year, I want to go a little bit deeper and I want to encourage you to come every Sunday this month because what we're going to do is we're going to dive deeper into the topic of the enemies of our soul. And so that's going to be the collection over the next couple of weeks. And if I had like a sub point to that, what we want to talk about, and it might talk about every week, I don't really have a category for it every week, but we're going to hit on um, the devil, the flesh, and the world. So theologians, church mothers and fathers, they had this language around the enemies of the soul, and we've sort of lost the language in the midst of that. Um, it doesn't specifically say this in Scripture, but it's most definitely understood to be the enemies of our soul are these three things. And so I have never done this, but I want to encourage, if anyone wants to take this serious with your discipleship with Jesus, with teaching and learning and understanding, there's, almost, there's only so much you can really get on a Sunday morning. Right, And I've really been so convicted of this and asking God deeply, Lord, show us a new way to, to go deeper in our discipleship um, because I realize that I can't sit down with you and have conversations. One, you can't hear my thought. I mean, you hear it on a Sunday, but I don't get to hear yours. So we, we, we lose a piece of the church in the book of Acts and how it was established by losing the, the conversation and discussion. So I want to encourage you, one, that if you want to take this serious on what I'm talking about, if you want to see where my mind's going in the notes and the writings that I'm pulling this from, well, one, it's from the scriptures, but there's also um, a book. I really like this guy. Um, he's tried and true, theologically orthodox. He, he's honest and healthy and not too far on one side, not too far on the other. You've heard me kind of mention his name often. But I want to encourage you, and, and Angie, so shout out to Angie. She went and got this book after I encouraged you to do it. So shout out to you, Angie. But um, I want, if anyone wants to dive into these next couple of weeks, then I want to encourage you to, you can do this on the Audible. I like Audible. Um, or you can go and actually get this book. It's called Live No Lies. And um, go with me in this journey. And, and by the way, if you finish and read this book or listen to the Audible, I want to personally, with Kelly, sit down with you and have a conversation about it. Because we're getting to a point in our following and discipleship of Jesus where we need to go deeper now. I honestly am praying to God that if we, I did water polo and swim in high school, that I don't want to be a couple of people, like two or three, are in the deep end swimming. And they're like, if you know anything about water polo, you're treading water at that point. And if you're conditioned, man, you could do it for hours. Because you're in the deep end, it doesn't matter how deep the water is. If, if you are thrown in the ocean, you can tread water for hours because you're conditioned and you're taught. And there's a maturity of your body and understanding how to do it well, right? And what I see and what I'm praying for in our community is that you would be so radically uh, filled with a desire to learn more about his word that we would have more people in the deep end of our church. Because right now they're, they're just, and there's nothing wrong with this, but there's, there's those that were in the shallow end of spirituality and discipleship to Jesus. And so I want to push you and encourage you, what does it look like to go deeper with your walk with God? And so it's going to start with, I, I want to encourage you to do this with me. Read this book. Listen to the Audible. And let's have a conversation about it. Does that sound good? Awesome. So the collection that we're going on, I said, is The Enemies of Our Soul. And today's title is, It Starts With a Thought. It starts with a thought. I don't know about you, but I am like a dreamer. 
I love to dream and think and process and talk. And you could talk to Kelly and ask her. I mean, I'm just always dreaming and thinking and planning ahead. And so sometimes, one, that, that could be a good thing, but the other thing is it could be a bad thing. Because what happens when you think so much, we, I know people that you can get on the phone with them and talk with them, and you're like, dude, you are an overthinker. Like, this is getting out of hand. And sometimes your thoughts will get you in trouble. Here's why. If you're not careful, and if you do not know the word of God, if you don't know how to combat the lies that are coming, how do you know what lie is and what truth is? So we need to learn, one, what does the word of God say? What did Jesus say? How did he talk? How did he live his life? What is the Old Testament? Who was Elijah and Elisha? Who was Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? And what, what does this have to do with my life? And do I know the stories so that when the lie of the enemy comes, I'm able to combat it? With, no, that's a lie. I know what the truth, this is what God says. But what happens is we get into a culture where we're all in the shallow end. And we just don't really know the word. And we're kind of clocking in and clocking out. And we're living in really, really unhealthy hab habitual sin where, honestly, I don't mean to kind of scare you, but when you do that, you open up the door to demonic activity in your life. And so I don't mean that to scare you or to judge you or to kind of shame you, but I, I, I am saying we need to get to the deep end and be serious about our discipleship to Jesus. So what does this look like for you in your life when it comes to thoughts? Over and over and over again, when my mind, my prefrontal cortex is aware of the word of God, of the scripture, of Jesus himself when I wake up in the morning, when I'm sitting in the car and I'm listening and I'm praying and I'm worshiping. Paul says to pray without ceasing, right? Uh, did I say that right? <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't just, it's just always on your mind all the time. How do you pray? Always, always, always. Well, it's on who God is, is just on your mind all the time. And I honestly, this takes time. It takes rewiring because what your mind could be on is Instagram or TikTok. I'm like coming off to those people like every week. <laughs> or, or what your mind could be on is what's in the news. We just got out of a season, right, of, of like the political craziness. And our minds have been more fixated on that than the word of God. And then we wonder why we're arguing and there's chaos. And, and so... Have you ever heard this terminology, the struggle is real? <laughs> wow, so, yes, the struggle is real, right? It's like, hey, Kel, we got to get gas, and so we're going to, like, Costco, and, like, oh, my gosh, we're in line for, like, 45 minutes, and it's like, the struggle's real on that one, right? But, but then there's just the struggle's real on more, on more things, and it gets heavier, and it gets heavier, and we sort of throw that language out, not realizing that it is actually really true, and honestly, like, we have to become the type of mature people that know there, there will always be a struggle, my friend. That life is not easy. Life is just not roses and, like, butterflies, and it's just, like, ooh-la-la -la all the time. Life comes with its struggle. Life comes with its difficulty. Life comes with a war that you can't see. And so the struggle is actually real. And, and, and honestly, it's kind of like this reverse psychology. If you, if you live your life with a healthy view of Jesus, that he was a suffered Christ, 
He suffered. Did you know that? We know that. So we participate in the discipleship with our rabbi when we step into what it looks like to truly suffer. And we, we embrace whatever that struggle is and we say, God, what can you do through me in this? But the reason I bring this up is because we are living in a, in a world where we don't think that we'll have struggle or hardship or chaos or suffering. And then when it hits us, it's like you don't know what to do about it. It's like, Pastor, you lied to me, right? It's like I've, I've been really honest from the very beginning. Like this, this journey, I'll just be real with you. It's harder to be a Christian than a non-Christian in this world. Like good, like, and, and by the way, we're not even talking about like third and, and fourth, or second and third century, first, second, third century following of Jesus, discipleship. I mean, you were killed. Your head was taken off if you claimed Jesus as king and not emperor. So I don't know what that looks like for your life, but, but, but friend, the struggle is real. But when we live our life saying the struggle is not real and then the struggle comes, we're taken off guard. But when we live our life knowing, no, I have to be healthy and realize life isn't always easy. But when it does come, you know how to stand your ground. It's no big deal. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, you got some bad news, but it's like, okay, I'm foundationally secure in the word of God. And I have Christ, and he is my foundation, and the wind will come, and the storm will come. But is your house built on sand, or is it built on the rock? So, that's just my intro. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so, let, let, let's just, Jesus, I want to show you, we read the scripture. Jesus illustrates how we can combat the lies that the enemy uses. Did you know that? To tempt you and I. He gives us a strategy on how to combat the evil one. But my question, you know, think about this. What comes to mind when you think about the Christian life? The Christian life, right? It's like reading and scripture and maybe for the ultra spiritual, it's like fasting, speaking in tongues and prophecy. It's not a nod or a dig on any of those things, but sometimes we use that language. Or maybe, maybe it's serving others, Right? Helping those in need. Those are all the, a part of the Christian life, but you may not think of it or picture this, but did you know that soldiers on a battlefield waging war against a powerful enemy is what the New Testament authors personified what it means, meant to be a follower, disciple of Jesus? That we are at war. That we have an enemy and that you are a soldier and we need to get ready for combat. Most Christians are uncomfortable with viewing spirituality as a struggle or using any attempt of military metaphor to describe our journey of faith. And my friend, I'm sorry, much of discipleship to Jesus is a fight. But the writers of the New Testament had no problem using this imagery. Following or being a disciple of Jesus is a kind of war for our soul. We see this with Paul. He says, we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. Then Paul urged us to suit up for the fight. Get ready for battle as a soldier ready to go to war. So, I love this language. We can demolish the strongholds of evil. Do you wake up in the morning telling yourself that? <laughs> I'm going to... I'm going to demolish the strongholds of evil today. But my friend, I, I want to challenge you. What if you started thinking like that, though? 
and you're not afraid. You're not, we don't have a spirit of paranoia here. I'm, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. No, 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 you, you, you have the, the creator of the living universe within you. You have the spirit of the living God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I have power from Christ, his spirit. And I am more than a conqueror, right, in Christ. So I, get, I, I have the invitation. I have to learn how to demolish strongholds in my life. So many early saints or theologians saw the Christian life as nothing less than a battle against the three forces of evil. And here they are. I talked to them about them earlier. The devil, the flesh, and the world. The reality is these three enemies are still at work today, regardless if you think what I'm saying is crazy or not. They're still at work, right? The devil or the Satan or the Lucifer uh, or the evil one or uh, the, the monster or the ser- like the language used there we see in, in the Genesis account but it, it's, it's very pervasive, this, this special evil. I mean, a couple of times Jesus even refers to the devil as the prince of this world. So, so like let that theology get in your mind for a second. So if you're not aware, though, if we're just living life and it's all good and you don't realize that you have an enemy, and you know what Jesus said? His goal is to kill you. He wants you dead. And you have generations, if I could go there for a moment, you have generations of demonic activity possibly in your family line. But if you're not aware of such enemies, if you're not aware of the evil one creating havoc and, and, and wickedness and confusion in your life, we'll be so naive to the battle. And then the flesh. I mean, let's be honest with the flesh. The flesh gets us in trouble a lot, right? Having sex outside of marriage, you know, pornography addiction, alcoholism, any sort of addiction, right? So, some of us are so glued to particular medication. When I'm, it's not a, not a dig on that at all, but there, there is something that provokes the enemy at war with us. So we have to be careful, right? What are you doing with your body? What are you are participating with other people's bodies in your life if it's outside of marriage? Even when you are married, what are you doing with your body? What is enticing you, the lures of the flesh, materialism, cars, money, all of those things? We're at war with enemy, the enemy, and the other one is the flesh. And then the other is the world. We are just in a world that is fallen. Theologically, when we look at the biblical account, we're in a fallen world, friend. So we have to be aware of this. Does that make sense? Are we good there? All right. So... To not disrupt us, but to actually, again, he's, he's not here just to disrupt us. He's, he's here to destroy us. Will you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6? I love this language here, starting at verse 10. I'm going to turn there with you because let's bring our Bibles to church. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. I'm going to go all the way to 18. Here it is. Here's Paul speaking to the church, to to followers and disciples like you and I, and he says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on, suit up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground, you can stand against the devil's schemes. Do you hear that language? This is in your Bible. 
The devil has schemes, and you have to learn how to stand up against them. For our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that, watch this, please, if you're taking notes or writing this down, so that when the day of evil comes, not if, not it's possible, when, the day of evil comes, you may stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand firm, stand concrete, stand with readiness, stand firm then with the belt of truth. You gotta know your word. Do you have the belt of truth buckled around you? With the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, church, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And I'll say this because maybe you could pray for me too, but this is Paul speaking. But pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I and you are ambassadors. He says, ambassadors in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Amen? To that? What did you catch in that? That we're in a war and we need to put on our armor. And if you don't have your armor on, you're gonna get hit by the arrows of the enemy. But what are the arrows of the enemy, right? I want to talk to you about this man named Evagoras Ponticus. Um, if you know your church history, maybe like 2% in the room. That's okay, though. I just love this stuff. Evagoras Ponticus was uh, a young man in the time of this story that I'm explaining where he was in the 4th century Roman Empire era, okay? Evagoras Ponticus, many people would say, kind of like Paul the Apostle, had a really amazing mentor named uh, Gamaliel, right? Like a powerful theologian, and he kind of taught him as a rabbi all of the theological components of the scripture. Well, Evagoras Ponticus, his rabbi or his teacher was right hand to Constantine, the emperor, okay? So, I mean, he, he knew his stuff, and he was theologically accurate, and he knew the scriptures. And so we're in fourth century right now at this time, and Constantine allows and puts, because he's, he's taken over by the Spirit of God, and he's like, I want the Christian faith in all of Rome. What happened with that, because I don't know if you'd say unfortunately, but the way that the church has worked since the inception is when there's persecution, it's growing. When, when we are persecuted... And it makes sense why. You got to get your stuff straight. You got to be serious about what's going on in your life. If you could potentially get your head chopped off and you're really serious about this Jesus thing, you're going to take this serious. It's either you're in or you're out because your life is on the line. But when Constantine put this as a, a, a whole nation, this sort of died out. And people started to get really complacent in their faith, and it wasn't a big deal. And so then what happens is church uh, fathers and mothers started to arise, and they called them desert mothers and fathers. Here's why. They would go out into the desert as like monks. And when I was in, in Bible school, the way that they taught us about monks or monasticism was it was like a bad thing. And I mean, yes, you're going to be alone by yourself with no one else. Like you need to be with people. Jesus didn't do that, right? Right? 
Ponticus, Evagoras Ponticus said, you know what? Jesus defeated the devil. I'm going to defeat him. And so this young, intelligent, theologically accurate man goes to the, des- the desert to defeat the devil in Egypt. And word comes out that he's winning. And so many people that are serious about this travel to Egypt in the wilderness looking for Evagoras Ponticus. He became one of the most, in his time, sought out spiritual guides. People were looking for discernment and wisdom. And so they were, they were seeking after him and they became, he became incredibly sought out. So before Evagoras passed away, a fellow monk named Lucios, I don't know if I said that name right, asked him to write down his strategy to overcome the devil. Then he wrote about a book called Taking Back. You can look this up. It's, it's here. Taking Back. Listen to the title of this. A Monastic Handbook for Combating Demons. <laughs> How cool is that, right? But like this guy was serious. In silent, there's, there's something about silence and solitude, my friend. There's something about getting away from the world and the noise and the chaos and being alone with God and just listening and clearing your own mind and your own thoughts so that the thought of God can come and speak to you. But many of us, and I've, from my own experience, we don't like to sit with God long enough because things start coming up and it's like, oh, I don't want to deal with that right now. Like Kelly and I are trying to Sabbath every Saturday. You can ask her. It's like withdrawals on a Saturday for me. I don't know how to like rest. She's like, man, and so I'm like laying on the couch, and then I fall asleep, and I'm like, oh, I, I'm not doing anything, Kelly. Like, I don't feel productive. It's like, rest, man. But we live in a world where we're going, 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 going. We don't even know how to slow our soul down enough to hear God. I don't know about you, but I want to be on the deep end of the pool hearing God. But I have to slow down. So they decided to do this, right? These, these monks, these and they created it, and many of them known as church mothers and fathers of the desert. So why do I share all of this? Evagoras' strategy is his claim that in order to fight back against demonic temptation, watch this. It's a fight against what he called logosmai. And it's a Greek word that can be translated thoughts, thought patterns, or your internal narratives, or internal belief structures which they produce the content of your thought lives and the mental markers by which they navigate your life. I mean, go with me there for a moment. You all have thought lives, right? You all have stories in your minds. And you have an internal hard drive in your brain and your mind's constantly going and going and going and going. And so what Evagoras says is the first thing that we need to talk about is where your thoughts at. And he didn't just say, oh, it's a thought, it's a big deal. No, he said, this is the, this is the enemy's number one primary space that he's going to go. He's going to come to your thoughts first. He's going to come after whatever you're going through, dealing with family of origin, all that stuff, and he's going to speak lies to you. And eventually, and we see this, I have fallen to come to this, we listen to the lies. So going back to Jesus in the fight in the wilderness, Instead of arguing or debating, Jesus focuses his thoughts on the corresponding truth from the ancient scriptures. Did you see that when he did it? So every time the the devil came with a particular lie, he combated it with the word and the truth. So in repeating truth to his attacker, Jesus kept his consciousness tethered to truth, leaving no room for the subtle art of deceit from Satan. But again, my friends, what does this look like? Yes, that was Jesus. He had the spirit of God, right? 
He was man, but he was also fully God. But he was, he was fully man too. Okay, we have to wrap our head. He's showing us what principles and spiritual discipline looks like. He was hungry. Do you get hungry after 40 days of not eating? Right? I mean, yes, he was the son of God, but in this moment, Jesus, my friends, he was hungry. There's times where we talked about this in the book of John. Go to the book, read the book of John. Yes, his divinity is there, but yes, his manhood is there as well. He gets tired, he gets hungry. So I'm gonna read you again this passage and, and look with me with the eyes of understanding the truth and the lie, okay? Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Really quick. In this verse 1, if you go to chapter 3, this is what happens. The unity Trinitarian Father comes in in this moment. Jesus goes to be baptized by John the Baptist. And in that moment, the scripture says in your Bible in Matthew that the Spirit of God, that heavens opened up, Jesus heard his Father say, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. That's the Father. And then the scripture says the Holy Spirit came to descend on Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. Do you see the Trinity there? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in one moment of love. It's a dance of love. But watch this. As soon as Jesus gets the Spirit of God, some translations say the Spirit pushed him into the desert. Why? He was getting ready for his ministry. He had done no ministry really. I mean, unless you argue when you look at other passages of Scripture with the water into the wine, right? But he had done really nothing at this point. And the Father comes to say, watch this identity marker here. You need to hear this. We need to hear this if we're struggling with our identity. Jesus has done nothing yet. And the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. How many of us need to hear that this morning? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I love you. You don't have to do anything to receive my love. This is your identity in me. I am your father. You are my son. I am your father. You are my daughter. So Jesus wraps up his identity in this moment with the Spirit of God, and the Spirit affirms the identity with Jesus and the Father, okay? And then, again, some translations say he pushed him, the Spirit of God pushes him into the wilderness so that he can fast, but also so that he can theologically get something right in Scripture because there was prophetic words saying that there will be another Adam that comes that basically did what the first Adam should have do should have done, but he didn't. And so many would call Jesus the second Adam or the new Adam. So what does he do? When you look at Genesis 3, the serpent comes, speaks lies to Adam and Eve, and they fall. What does Jesus do? He comes into the wilderness, the enemy speaks lies, and he wins. So let's read the passage now with that understanding. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. See the identity push there? Jesus answered, it is written, here's the word of God. You're going to lie to me, I'm going to combat you with the truth. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If Here's the identity. You are the son of God. Then throw yourself down, for it is written. Now he uses scripture. So you need to know your word, because he'll use scripture against you. Then the devil said, so he said, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it's also written. Here's the word, Satan. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in his splendor. Which, by the way, side note, Jesus doesn't refute this moment. 
He doesn't come against and say, it says, to show him all the kingdoms of the world in the splendor. Here's the prince of the world, okay? I don't know if this messes your theological brain up for a moment, but I hope it does. The enemy has some sense of power here, a lot actually, in the world that we live in. But we, we win the battle. Sorry, let me rephrase that. We win the war. And we have to stick it out long enough to see the battle won because the victory is already won in Christ. But many of us don't stick it out long enough to see the actual victory because the tempter comes and tempts us with all schemes of lies, deceit, desires of our own soul. And then let me finish this. It says in verse 10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the the Lord your God. Here's the word again, over and over. So the devil attacks Jesus in three key areas, appetites, identity, and idolatry. Satan, one, Satan knows Jesus is hungry after fasting for 40 days. Two, he knows he might be apprehensive now that he's about to begin his public ministry. This is Jesus. The enemy knows this. He's pushed out by the Spirit of God. Jesus might be possibly apprehensive about going into his ministry. So, of course, the enemy is going to come and speak against who he is and his identity. And the third is, and he knows that his reliance on the Father's power has not yet been tested. So what can this mean for us in our everyday lives, okay? Maybe you're asking the question, I know I have, for a long time. Jesus shows us the best strategy to our struggle that is real. The early church mothers and fathers viewed the temptation in the wilderness in a different way than we would expect. They saw it as the devil speaking, watch this, a lie over Jesus. And Jesus refusing to listen or believe to that lie. It's that simple, but it's really hard. How often in your day, even waking up this morning, how often do you do that? When you hear a lie come to your mind and you don't push it away with the word of God. But all the time, every moment, I wish we would be the type of people, not pharisaic or judgmental, but whenever you're in community and equity with someone, the moment they bring up a lie, you would refute that and say, that is not the truth. Right? So no, it's not terrible twos. It's terrific twos. Don't speak that over my child. Right? I have to catch myself. Me and Kelly, no, no, no. It's not terrible twos. I'm not going to speak that over my children. But I fall to that, church. I'm not perfect. We all probably do. All of us are probably like, yeah, I've done that too. That's just a small little scale. How much bigger can it get? I'm unclean. What happened to me when I was young, I'm unclean, I'm dirty, I'm dirty, I'm unclean. And you speak that long enough, watch this, if you confess with your word, with your, if, if it comes into your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Well, the enemy is a counterfeit of all of that. So when it comes into your mind and your heart and you confess it, what are you doing? You're sort of shaking hands with the lion, the liar. So we ought to denounce this stuff. I'm trying to go deep in the water. Are we okay here? We got to go into the deep end and start. I'm I'm trying to teach you how to tread a little bit. No more believing and living in the lie that the enemy has spoken over you. You are worthy. You are clean by the righteousness of Christ. You do stand in peace. You do not walk in fear and paranoia. No, those are lies from the enemy. But you need to know the truth that comes with it. Because you have to learn how to, I can't do this for you, by the way. I wish I could, but then again, maybe not, because it's just a lot. It's heavy. 
but you have to work your salvation out with fear and trembling. Is this making sense? Am I like going too far off the like crazy end? <laughs> That's okay if I am. Here's how it plays out, okay? I want to show you this. Three points and then we're done. The first is, Jesus, uh, the, the, the word says, the tempter came to him and said, if then, if you're the son of God, then. A thought of false picture, if you're taking notes, the first part, the first point is, the enemy will come to you with a thought of a false picture of who you are. And it's built on performance, by the way. So don't you ask yourself this question, who am I? Right? Who am I? This is where the enemy makes us question who we are. Am I, am I who I am because of my career? Am I who I am because of my performance? Am I who I am because of what I've done? Jesus responds with the truth. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What does God say about you and your identity? Then the next passage says the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, the temple, and had him stand on the highest point, the highest point in scripture. When it ever says highest point, it's a place of authority, okay? The highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, Jesus, throw yourself down. You know what he's having Jesus do? He's having him question God now. If you're the son of God, why, why wouldn't God save you? Throw yourself down, Jesus, come on questioning God how often do we question God in this room and again I don't want to be over spiritual but like I'm just going there yes we have intellectual mind and thought but when we question God after we've been we've known him for a while and after has over and over and over again he's come true in your life that questioning of God is not coming from God by the way it's either coming from you because you get in the way too this isn't all just the devil I've heard someone say the devil's not behind every bush the devil's behind every probably third bush, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but it, like honestly, I, I'm not trying to like scare you. Or I'm just saying we need to, as a church body, stand firm, put the armor of God on, and say no more lies from the enemy. I'm not going to question God anymore. I'm going to stand firm on who he is. I'm going to believe what he says he said about me and my family in the future. And no longer will I live into the lie and speak that lie over myself or my family. Because what I do when I do that is I give the enemy a stronghold and a foothold in my life. Are you really good? A thought of if God is your father then, right? Many of us, when things get rough, start questioning who God is. God, how could you allow this to happen? Are you really good in my life? Are you really God? I've been doing this with you and you've allowed this to happen. It's this questioning, it's this questioning. And we have to learn how to combat that. Jesus responds with the truth, okay? He says, Jesus, he said, he answered, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the last is the devil took him on a very high mountain, which is a place of authority, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give you if you bow and, and worship me. A thought, here's the last one, a thought that questions your mission and purpose. I'm, I'm gonna come for you right now, okay? You have a mission and purpose in your life. You do. For many of you, maybe it's just to be a businessman and to, to take care of your family. And with that business, what are you doing for the kingdom of heaven? What are you doing for the world around you? What are you doing that God has blessed you to be rich, Right? Everyone has a vocation, though. You all have a mission and a purpose in this world. As a, we're a body of Christ. We all have a mission in this room. 
And this is what happens. Jesus' mission and purpose amongst others was to bring authority. Did you know that? Jesus came to bring authority to set the captives free. That was his mission and purpose. Okay? Watch what the enemy does. The devil will get you to question your purpose and meaning in life. Our allegiance and validation shouldn't come from anyone else other than God. And what he says about you and what he says about me. The thought comes in that question of purpose and call. Who are you worshiping? That's my question to you. Because your mission and purpose should be on the things of God, but if you're worshiping other things, you're not worshiping God. You've put in, this is the idolatry piece. You've put in another piece of worship to worship. The worship you should do is God, but you've put and replaced that what should be God. You've placed it with somebody else. We tell this to men all the time. Men that are going through a divorce, you know what happens? I mean, men do the craziest thing. They, they, they buy gifts and flowers and do all these things and romanticize, and it's like you've lost the separation of emotion a long time ago. That's not going to work, right? But then you know what happens? We hear, like, I'm worthless, man, and now I'm sleeping on the couch, and I didn't do anything, and, and she's just, I, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And it's like, you know what I tell them? Like, hey, man, you don't even, do you, do you love yourself? Do you know who you are? Because my Bible says, here's the truth. That the greatest commandment is to love my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and also to love my neighbor as I love myself. But how on earth can I possibly love my neighbor if I don't love myself? Watch this. The way God loves me. Not in an ego way. Not in a narcissistic way. We don't need that self-help stuff here. No, in a way that God, you know me, you validated me. This is my son, Sammy, in whom I'm well pleased. Now I'm going to walk in that authority. But what happens is we don't know who we are in Christ. Why? Because the father of lies speaks lies to you all day long. And we fall suit to it and we, we don't put our armor on and we wonder why the struggle should just be real, but it's really, really, really hard. So who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? So anything that is in the place of God in our life is an idol, right? Jesus said, away from me, Satan. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So remember this week, the area that the enemy will attack you first is where? Your thoughts. Thank you for listening. <laughs> it's your thoughts. Try not to get ultra spiritual here. I'm trying to get really practical. So just think about that with me in your devotion to Jesus. Where are your thoughts going? And then are you speaking them out? So here's your practice for this week, okay? Um, if we want to put this up, I want to give you some practices each week as we do this together. Here's your homework, okay? Um, if you're taking notes, maybe take a picture of it in your Devo time, which hopefully you're doing with God, okay, on a regular basis. If not, we wonder where our thoughts go because our thoughts are clouded so much that we have to allow the word of God to speak to us. We have to spend time with him. We have to learn from him, hear from him, right? We have to abide. Jesus uses the abide in him, right? So I want you to draw a line, right? And I, on one end, I want you to write lies. And on the other end, I want you to write truth. And I want you to discover where are all the lies and truth coming from? And then find a trusted friend in, or a group in your community. Write this all down and let them refute all of the lies that you believe. No, I know you, you're actually this person. I know you, you do this. I know you, that's a lie from the enemy. 
So example is, I'm unclean as a lie. And the truth is, in Christ, there is no condemnation for those that are in him. And then you just keep going on and on and on and on. Does that make sense? So, are you guys good? <laughs> I, I, just, I just want to invite you into what this can look like in your life. And we're going to take this journey together as a community, okay? Because I personally am getting so fed up with how the enemy is distorting our lives. Honestly, I'm really getting really bothered by it. On one end, I'm not saying that I'm over-spiritual and everything is the devil. I'm not saying that. But if it's, if it's not the devil, then it's you. <laughs> okay, like I love you. Like you're going to get in the way of yourself. So you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, if this isn't the devil, then what are you doing to, to make this worse, Right? And if you're not willing to do the work of this, if you're not willing to take your time and your discipleship with Jesus serious, then, then don't be taken off guard when, when you're losing the battles, right? When you're feeling like you're living in defeat all the time. I don't wanna be that disciple of Jesus. I wanna stand firm and I wanna come against anything that would be over my family, that would be over this church, that would be over this community, and I wanna stand in confidence and authority. I know who God says I am, I know what my mission is and purpose in this, in this world is, and I know that the enemy's not gonna to lie to me any longer. Amen? Awesome, will you stand with us and finish in worship?